Let's pause, let's pray, and we're going to get into uh, John 13, and we'll start it with an interview to get us thinking. Lord, we love you, we thank you for the day, we thank you for the summer, we thank you for the sunshine, and we thank you for the blessing of uh, food and joy, and Lord, for so many barbecues and, and, and picnics and, and days out and evenings, just enjoying food and drink in the sun as it sets and it cools off. We're just grateful for this time of year. And we're also grateful that you've appointed a day, August the 12th, for us to gather as one church from all over the city, people from all sorts of walks of life, to lift you up, Jesus, and to sing your praises and to think about you and take steps towards following you. And we pray now that you'll reorient our mind and our heart so that we will be prepared to be the most useful people, God, to love you with everything and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So use us, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. So good. So we're in week uh, six of a series called Love My Neighbor, and we'll, f- we'll finish it with week seven next Sunday, and then we'll do the event on the, the 12th. And we've been looking at what it means to love God and love people. So if you're new, just to recap, we're looking at what love looks like. A couple of things that we've seen so far, love uh, looks like a meal. Jesus loved people by eating with them. And love looks like a conversation. Jesus invested time in speaking with people. He embraced them over food, and then he got to know them, and he led them into the ways of God in natural ways. He didn't talk down to people. He just talked with them. He answered their questions, and he taught the truth of God. And we could be like that. And then we saw last week, or two weeks ago, I should say, that love looks like a second chance. To be a good neighbor implies we don't have it all together. No one else does because we don't. We don't have it all together. So we give people, even who may have been hurtful or may have ignored us, we give them a second chance. Why? Because God gives them a second chance. And Jesus came to give all of the human race a second chance and a third and a fourth and 157th. He is here for us. So we, as his representatives, want to be the people that are not pointing fingers and reminding people of what they've done or where they've been or who they used to be. But we're the kind of people who say, because of Jesus, anything's possible. And you can have a new chapter in your story, and it doesn't have to be that way. Just look at what Jesus is doing in me. So that's what it means to be a neighbor. What we're doing is profiles of people who are kind of living this out. So I want you to welcome to the stage uh, Brent and Amy Wilson. They're going to come. Welcome them up with a hand clap. Great, great. Thank you. And so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to hear a little bit about Brent and Amy. And so why don't we get closer because I feel like we're strangers. Okay, here we go. Besides, we're looking at a camera. Everything goes on a podcast. So, all right, guys, uh, I know you, but maybe some are new to the community. Obviously, Brent, Amy, tell us about uh, where you first met and, and, and how that connected with church. Leading question. It's a good one. Um, we met at Cedar Mill in the college group, and uh, one day this amazing, gorgeous woman came in, and, and uh, uh, I fell in love, and we got married. And um, Did it all happen, like it happened that with, same weekend? Within, within days, okay. within days. You never know, right? Um, and then after we were married in uh, 2003, uh, then this guy named Phil Comer yeah. came to Cedar Mill and started a... It was before we got married. Before we got married. Um, but you started a Saturday night service, and uh, we started going to that. And then we've progressed through every... Um, yeah, 
So if you didn't know, like change in exactly, Solid Rock started at Cedar Mill. Solid Rock, yeah. And then and ended up in Tiger. You guys Conestoga. were there. Conestoga. Conestoga Middle School. You were there, uh, building a G T. All the letters. You were there. And then a little thing in Hillsborough happened, and we were there. You were there. Yeah. So if you want to follow the move of God, just hang out with the Wilsons, and um, you've been a part of it. So what do you do, like life-wise? You know, uh, you're married and kids. Do you have any? Yes, we have I know this. three wonderful kids, yep. uh, uh, six, nine, and twelve, and um, I am a diesel mechanic. And Amy is a uh, teacher. She stays home with the kids, and she's an online teacher. Um, and she's also uh, been trained with uh, uh, therapy for dyslexia, so she's branching wow. out into that. So that's been awesome. Incredible. And so he says he's a diesel mechanic. He's a premier diesel mechanic. So, so he's like super humble. Uh, let's be honest. Amy, are, are you excited about sharing about your life in front of lots of people? Not at all. Okay, that's it. Yeah. I tried to get my daughter to come up for me. But I know, I know. Said no. so, so you've been so kind. I'll give a little inside scoop. For two weeks, we've been wondering, would you do it? Not because um, you're afraid to talk to people, but you love, okay, maybe that. But you, you both serve in so many ways, and honestly, I'll give you the inside scoop. They didn't want to talk about what they're doing, which is the heart of a servant, right? When people are like, well, I'm doing it, but I don't want people to know. So this is not boasting. It's not bragging. It's just letting the family know that we're all doing Jesus' work. So we want to get a couple of stories. Um, we're talking about what it means to be a neighbor. What does that look like uh, for you? Just say like in your neighborhood, either one of you, because you, you moved into a new neighborhood and what happened as you moved into that new neighborhood? How did you take a different view of life? Well, it was really good timing because um, right before sunset started, there was a teaching series about how serving um, can really help to build community and relationships. And it just really resonated with both of us. Um, and then at the same time, um, we bought a new house out in Hillsborough, and we started coming here. And Which was a good son, move, by the it way. Was, it was. That was a good move. We wanted our kids to um, be in school with other people that go to church and see people both places. Um, so it really made sense. And, um, but we, so it was, a fr it was like a fresh start, and to have like this new mindset of, okay, well, when we're doing things, we can include our neighbors with us. And... Um, be purposeful in getting to know them. Um, and when I am you know, helping at the school or joining a committee to, to do something, you know, we're, that's a great way to get to know somebody yeah. really deeply. Um, even if we don't share the same life you know, worldview, we're both, we're all trying to get our kids through school and um, want the best for our, our kids. So yeah. it was a great, it's been a great way for me to just view, um, you know, doing things with PTA and our neighbors, and just that it's, it's a great way to get to know people at a really deeper level pretty fast, so. And as a mom, like that's a, it's a natural connection because the kids are there, other moms are trying to figure out each grade. And so as an educator too, what a gift that you can teach and, and be a mom that way. But Brent, like you're working on engines all day, so you don't have maybe as much of the school connection. So how, how's that neighborly way of living worked out for you? So what, how have you been involved? Um, most of all of my kids do sports, so I've made an effort to try to be involved or to coach their teams, um, soccer, lacrosse, and uh, baseball. Um, 
And so that's been a blessing, great relationship, relationships out of that uh, with the different families. Yeah. And um, uh, then we also, in the summer times, we've been doing a uh, uh, s'more night in our cul-de-sac. So we would invite s'more night. all the neighbors, all the, oh, na- like the neighborhood over. Yeah. We've got like a giant fire pit and uh, just hang that's out all so night. Cool. 30, 40 kids playing around in the cul-de-sac, running around crazy. Well, so the fire pits in the backyard of someone's house or like out in the... In the front of the cul-de-sac. In the front of the cul-de-sac. We have some fire code people. I don't know if that's legal, but we don't care. So, I know, we don't... Well, we just went public. Um, just go on the s'mores thing for a second. Is it just milk chocolate? Do you do dark chocolate? Do you do Reese's, 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 peanut, butter Reese's peanut butter cups too? Reese's peanut butter cups. Fire, so, uh, popcorn. 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 Oh, popcorn. hello. Okay, so how often do you do that? Is that just we, a, we haven't done it as much this summer, but got it. every summer since we moved in, pretty much I we started. It. I love it. So natural ways. Now, as well, we want to just hit one more. So it could be just a mom at school, that connection. It could be sports and teams and coaching. And you can actually like, invest in younger kids and be a neighbor. And, but you also done it with helping families who are helping families. So maybe you give us a bit about that. Well, we got to know from our kids' schools some families that do foster care. And um, I love babies, um, but don't necessarily want to have any more. Um, so it was a natural way for, um, for us to, we just were talking one day, and I said, you know, if you ever need help, let us know. And so we got signed up to do respite care, um, which is really a great way. We love our kids can be involved in serving, and they feel like they're helping out. Um, so we, we started some rumors at church when we showed up with a baby a couple weeks ago. But <laughs> like, oh. it was, uh, yeah. it was, it, it's, it's really fun. It's super easy. Like, just fill out a paperwork and background check. And so to do respite care, if someone wanted to do that, it's literally a form, a, li- a little bit of training, or nope, no not, training, not even that. So they, okay, I'm scared. So that uh, <laughs> I trust you, but uh, so a form, and then. Do they contact you with a family or that just gives you the ability to help the families you know or both? I think you can do it both ways. Oh, that's awesome. But okay. if you get to know someone that has foster kids, it's a, it, they know what it is and they would jump at the chance. They would chance, jump at it probably. and it gives you the right to do it legally yeah. to, to help with that. What, a, what an opportunity. Well, we love you. We're grateful that you've been to every church that Jesus has been working through on the west side of Portland. And... Um, and we just, let's just pray blessing over Brent and Amy and their family as we think about all the people who are serving in our church. Lord, we just thank you for this couple that knows you and loves you and doesn't want to be uh, the spotlight of attention, but rather they just want to be use, useful in helping people experience life in you. And so we pray blessing not, over the, not only over the Wilsons, but over all of our lives as we try to take practical steps to live out our faith and love our neighbor as we love you, God, and we love ourselves. So give them wisdom as they navigate. Give them uh, open doors through s'more nights and coaching opportunities and school opportunities in the fall. And we pray that many more will be eager to know who you are, Jesus, because of them and all of us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. I'll grab this one. Give him another applause if you would. That is... uh, Gosh, that is so good. And, and I think it's helpful for all of us as we look to John 13. It's helpful to remember that loving God and loving our neighbor isn't abstract and isn't impossible. It could be taking the very thing that you already love to do, that you're already involved in, and having, as Amy said, which I love it, a new mindset. Some of our mindsets are just stuck 
in a previous way of thinking. And if our mindset is stuck, all it takes is this one truthful statement from Jesus to unlock what he already wants to do. So I hope, I hope this story is not a discouragement like, man, I wish I was them, but rather an encouragement to say, wait a minute, maybe this isn't as hard or as complicated. It doesn't have to be a new thing. They're just using what God's already given them. All right, so let's look at John 13 uh, for what one other way that, that, that love expresses itself. And this morning we looked at, at how love looks like a towel. Love looks like a towel. Well, that doesn't make sense, so we'll just keep reading. John 13, 1. It was just before Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Uh, we're jumping in the middle of John's gospel, and if you've ever, ever read John, you've got to understand how it works. So I'm going to give you a quick recap. John 1 through 12 is about signs. Say it with me, signs. What John does, he doesn't start with the birth of Jesus. He's not interested in that. He's interested in those who've never followed him, but want to know, is he who he claimed to be? So what John does is he stacks seven signs. You see them. Signs like Jesus turns the water into wine. Signs like Jesus heals the man at the pool of Bethesda. Signs like he heals a Roman official's sons. He heals a paralytic. He, he takes the person who was born blind and they, they can see. And then the raising of Lazarus from the dead. All of these are signs that no one is like Jesus. But then what he does is he flips the switch in 13 verse 1, what we just read. And he's going to go from the signs to the biggest sign, the megaphone sign, and that's Jesus' cross and resurrection. But what he does is usually he, the event happens and he explains it. What John does now is he flips it. He's going to explain it and then at the end show you the big sign. Jesus goes to the cross and rises again, and he's the son of God, and you should follow him. So all of these things from chapter 13 to the end, which we're just going to look at one, is, is explaining the big sign, which is Jesus' death and resurrection. But I want us to see how it starts. The big sign is Jesus going to the cross. But what does it say here? Having loved his own, verse 1 there, who were in the world, he loved them, he loved them to the end. What is Jesus like? What does it mean to be a neighbor? He loved his people to the end of his life. And so all of these little things that are going to point to the big sign are speaking to how we live our life. Jesus was all about relationship. He's about ongoing relationship. And even though he's getting closer and closer to his own death, which he knows is coming, what is he doing before the end of his life? He's not checked out in some gated community doing nothing, spending money till he dies. He is loving his own to the end. And that speaks to you and me. To love God and love neighbor is to use every bit of your life until your life is over that every bit of your energy is to the work of God, whatever that may be. God gave Jesus 12 disciples of which one is going to betray him. And what is Jesus doing? He's investing his time in people. So part of loving God and loving our neighbor is something that's very hard for us to do. It's to make margin in your world for other people. If you're struggling with feeling contented and like empowered as a Jesus follower, here's what you need to check. You need to check your calendar. Because if your calendar is so stacked with all this stuff, you could squeeze out God's opportunity in your world. 
And what God wants to do is release your calendar to be free enough. And I know we're working multiple jobs, we're handling family life. I'm not saying this is easy, but Jesus is intentional. What we're going to see in John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 is the last few moments of Jesus' disciples. And what Jesus is doing is investing in people that matter. And can I just say to you, the people around you matter. And so loving God is making room for people. All right, that's the way of Jesus. Let's just keep reading verse 2. The evening was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Just pause for a minute. In the middle of God working, the enemy's working as well. Just a good reminder. And if you're struggling trying to live this out, just know there's a real enemy who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy not only your life. He can't do it because if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're in God's family. You have God's name. You're going to step into God's future. And the enemy's mad. So the devil's mad at Jesus because he can't stop him like he can't stop you. And so what is he doing? He's using another person to try to get Jesus off track. So he's at work in, in the life of Judas. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Paul, this is so good. Okay, this is a loving God, loving neighbor. The enemy's at work. Jesus' time is running short. He has all these choices to make. He's loving his own, right? And in the middle of all that, he's confident. I've come from the Father, and I'm going back to the Father. I know why I'm here, and I know what I'm doing. And friend, that's why we gather together. That's why we study the Scriptures. That's why we love one another. Because if you don't know who you are in Jesus, it's easy to fall off track. So the more I'm aware of who I am in God and what God's called me to do, if I'm confident in my calling and my purpose, and this happens over time, as I grow in that, I'm going to be able to love the people around me. Because the enemy can't get me off track because I know why I'm here and I know what I'm doing. So Jesus, verse 4, gets up from the meal. He took off his outer clothing. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began, began to wash his disciples' feet, parentheses, yuck, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. I want, to think, I want us to think about Love looking like a towel. We said love looks like a conversation. Love looks like a meal. Love looks like a second chance. Love looks like a towel. Jesus is serving out of the overflow of his relationship with the Father. Notice John's progression. Jesus loves his own, confident in who he is. He's from the Father. He's going back to the Father. Then he does something. And this is one of these signs that's pointing to the big sign. Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Now we see this, we read it, we move on. Like, oh, that's first century, that's weird, I'm not doing that. What's going on here? I want you to know this, something. The towel is more than a towel. The towel is a sign that points to the big sign of the cross. We're going to see it. What John is doing is he's explaining the big thing Jesus is about to do and all the ways that Jesus is dropping hints of what's to come and how to live like his follower before he goes to the cross, the, the, the last meal that Jesus has with his disciples, why does John spend almost half of his gospel about the final two nights of Jesus' life? It's because this is the pattern of how we follow Jesus and you were not in the upper room, I was not in the upper room, I wasn't there when Jesus was crucified, but John was there firsthand. And he's like, if you're going to follow Jesus, you need to know what he told us, being John. John was there. He's like, every Jesus follower, 
that wasn't there needs to know what Jesus is like. Love looks like a towel. It's a sign of the cross. Because in the ancient world, um, when you came into someone's home, you were with sandals, your feet were dirty. And a sign of love and hospitality was you would either just be given a basin and you just wash your feet off. Or the slave, the servant, the nobody would wash your feet. In the ancient world, this was seen as the most disgusting task. It was left to the lowest of the low. And so you could do it in a family situation, like um, a wife at a, a sign of respect and love for a husband. He's been out working, you know, just in humility, in love, like washes his feet. Or a child for their parents. I respect mom and dad, you know. Maybe it's their birthday or whatever. It's a sign of love and respect, but it's always done it's done by the lower person in a relationship. A student, like you have an amazing teacher, instructor. It's, just, it's a sign of respect. But the low, the low honors the high in, in this. It would be seen as an act of devotion. But you just need to know this. The leader never washes, never washes the people under them. That's not how it works. Until Jesus now, we know this is a shock. This, I need to explain it because we weren't there. But you know this is a shock because look at, look at verse 6. Look at his reaction. Look at Peter's reaction. Peter is the leader of, of the disciples. He's the leader. And so he came to Simon Peter who said to Jesus, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Because this is like, this is wrong. Well, you can't, you can't. That's a sign saying that, like, I'm above you? Like, the, this is not going to happen. Jesus replied, you don't realize now what I'm doing. But later, you're going to understand. The towel is more than a towel. The towel is signing ahead to the big sign, the cross, where the servant, Jesus, gives. He's in charge. He's the master of the universe. And he gives his life for the underlings. The leader steps down and becomes the slave which is, it's not that shocking for us because we become a flat society, flat in that the new employee feels like they have the right to tell the CEO how to run the company. We live in that kind of world. We live in the kind of world where we can flap off about the president because we don't care who they are. We have no respect in our culture, no respect. And where kids will tell their parents what to do, no respect. In their culture, it's all about authority. You honor, even if you don't like them, you honor the person above you. You treat elderly people with respect. Why? They are wiser than you, and they've lived on the earth longer, and therefore, if you're young, you honor them. We are a wacky world that doesn't get the beauty of the Bible. Oh, that was a side note. That was for free. But <laughs> Peter, sometimes it just comes out, Peter says the right thing. No, Lord, you can't do this. Verse 8. No, Peter, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you don't have any part of me. Oh, then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, he doesn't get it because look at the line. Well, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Lord, I'll take a bath. It's just, it's an awkward moment. Because it's like, he doesn't understand what's the sign is, the towel is a sign pointing to the sign. He doesn't get it. So he's like, okay, wash me, Lord. And then Jesus lovingly says, oh, no, no, no. Those who've had a bath only need wash, water to wash their 
feet, their whole body's clean. And then he explains, you are clean. Like, you're, you're a part of me. Though not every one of you, he already knows that Judas is going to betray him. But I want you to hear this. Jesus washed Judas' feet anyway. We're looking at what love looks like. Jesus washes the betrayer's feet. Jesus humbles himself to the guy who's about to take him out and says, let me wash your feet as well. For he knew he was going to betray him, and that's why he said not everyone is clean. What does love look like? Who are the people that we're supposed to serve? Jesus models. Again, it's the small sign before the big sign of the cross that the towel represents even if I'm in a place of authority to love God with all my heart and love my neighbor as myself means I, even with my rights, humble myself for the good of the people around me, whether they are for me or against me. This is like, this is revolutionary. Now, I want us to see a couple of things. Write them down. I think it's going to be super simple but helpful reminders. Number one, Jesus is the greatest servant. The event is not just about foot washing. It's not. It's not meant... It's not meant to say, okay, whenever you come into a gathering, you know, take your burks off and let's just get a foot shine. That's, it's not going to happen here, okay? It's not, don't touch my feet. They're nasty. It's not about foot washing. Rather, the towel is a symbol of what's to come. So verse 7, Jesus said, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you're going to understand. You're going to get it. The towel is a sign of what Peter needs to do. Here's what Peter needs to do. Peter needs to come under the leadership of Jesus. So Peter, although he's in charge, needs to realize what real leadership is about. And if you want to be a leader in the kingdom of Jesus, it, it means that I humble myself and serve. Leadership is service. Authority is humility in the kingdom of Jesus. And whether you think that that works out in your workplace or not, you have to recognize that you live in two kingdoms at the same time. The kingdom of this world system, which has its own pecking order of who's important and how you treat them. And then there's the kingdom of Jesus. And if you said, I'm following Jesus, here's the challenge. You belong to this kingdom while living in this kingdom. So you belong to Jesus. So what I need to do is have wisdom on how to live Jesus's way in a world that doesn't honor him. And here's Here's the blessing that we have. This way of living is radical. It's revolutionary. That those with authority make themselves low, even the people who are against them, who treat their enemies with blessing instead of cursing. This is not normal. It's not easy, by the way. But when we live this way, we, as the kingdom of Jesus, speak to the kingdom of this world and say, there is a better way. But it begins by recognizing this is not just about being nice, not just about serving, not just about the Christian ethic of, you know, do unto others before they do it to you, which is a misquote. You know, do unto others as you would have them do to you. It's not just about living a, a clean, moral, upstanding American Christian life. All of that is baseless apart from Jesus. What, what the first thing that John is telling us here is Peter needs to have his feet cleaned. In other words, Jesus is the center of the story. Jesus is the one 
who we need to follow. Jesus is the one who's the greatest servant. And unless I'm going to be a radical transformer in the world, until, in order to be a radical transformer in the world, first I need to step and be cleaned by Jesus. That is the first notion. Verse 10, Jesus answered, Those who have a bath only need a bath to wash their feet, but their whole body is clean. You're clean even though not every one of you, because you knew who was going to betray him. See, to, to love God and to really love our neighbor, we need Jesus, because I, I cannot love the people who are against me. How many of you love the people who talk bad about you? Really demonstrate love. Not just talk about it, but live in a way that wants to see them blessed to people who don't understand you. I think human nature is to hate those who hate you and hang out with those who love you. But the point of John saying this is that Peter needs Jesus to clean him, to transform him. And so we need Jesus, which is just a reminder, this is not just simple Christian morality. The Bible is not just a bunch of suggestions to make your world better. And church is not a pick-me-up to help you along the way. We are stepping into a new way of living if you follow Jesus. Now, unfortunately, many people haven't actually been told this is the way of Jesus. They've been told, be nice, go to church, help out, and you're going to be okay. And Jesus has a more radical way of living. It's with absolute humility that the leader says, I take off my jacket, I put on the form of a servant, and I clean those even who are going to be against me. Now, I, I'm a, I would love to say I live this way. I am saying I'm learning to live this way, and I think you can too. To really love my neighbor is to learn to pick up the towel and to see myself, even if I'm a leader and in charge and have influence, all of that belongs to God. And what I can do is make myself low because, hear me, because Jesus has radically changed me. Not because I just want the world to see how great I am. That's called passive-aggressive. You know, I do it because I just want to look good. No, it's because I know what it's like to be broken and healed by Jesus. I know what it's like to be forgiven. You know what, even though my friend does not understand it, I'm going to serve them anyway. So the passage is definitely about Jesus. But it's not just about Jesus. Here's the second thing we're going to see. Look at verse 12. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? The answer is no, because... Simon Peter didn't get it, right? Do you understand? He asked him. You call me teacher or rabbi and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now here's the, the lesson. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. And again, no, it's more than a towel. It's more than literal when someone comes to your house, give them a coat hanger, you know, hang up their coat for them, or get them a glass of water. That's not, that's not just the point. I've set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant's greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you're going to be blessed if you do them. Second thing I want to see, not only is Jesus the greatest leader, that's the first thing. Second thing I want to see is that we are called to live as Servants, Jesus changes everything, and that is the good news we need to embrace. Jesus changes everything in my life, not just my future, which is great, that I get to be with God forever. How many of you know that's not a bad deal? I'm like up for that. 
My, my past is sketchy, but my future is absolutely clear, not because I'm good, but because Jesus is perfect. And now that I am in him and he's in me, Jesus says to me, you are perfect. Doesn't mean my behavior is. But in God's sight, he does not see my sin as the barrier to his presence. He sees the blood of his son, Jesus. Perfect, pure, holy, right. And because I'm connected to Jesus, I'm actually free to live like Jesus. This is, this is amazing. But following Jesus does mean, and this is where we've kind of missed it a bit in calling people out. Following Jesus means we actually follow Jesus. So Jesus said, you didn't know, but now that you know, and by the way, you didn't know, but now that you know that my pattern is the towel and humility and love and service, you will be blessed if you do it. So some of us are discontented in our following Jesus because we've missed this dimension. We love him when we're together or we have a spiritual moment or we hear a song but we feel like something's not what it should be. And it's not that you're not good enough. You've been made perfect in Jesus. In his sight, you are holy and blameless, which means you have access to God anytime because of Jesus. Not because of your behavior, because of Jesus. Jesus makes this possible. But if you want to flourish in Jesus, you need to serve. You need to follow the example of the master who on his final night, he's the king. They should all be feeding and caring for him. I'm teacher and Lord, and you're right. But you will be blessed if you take the towel and you serve. Now, jumping ahead, I'm just going to read verses uh, uh, 14, uh, sorry, 34 and 35. Uh, this is what he says at the end of this little section. But just jump ahead for a minute. He says, a new command I give you, same, same encounter, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you go to church as often as you can. Right? If you... Read your Bible every day. If you listen to Christian music, if you try hard, no. If you do what? Love one another. Now, love is not just an emotional uh, uh, thing. What is love? Love is you humble yourself and you serve the people around you. And when people actually see this lived out, that people who have nothing in common give towards one another, care for one another, serve one another, and care for people that don't even care back towards them. This, this makes people scratch their head and say, gosh, I, I, I hadn't thought about that. Or why in the world would you do that? Uh, like I said last uh, two weeks ago, love follows forgiveness. So the, the woman who had been forgiven by Jesus is the woman who cries tears and, and wipes his feet with her hair and pours perfume on his feet and says, gosh, Jesus, thank you. And so those of us who've been changed by Jesus in turn love one another and care for one another that way. Now putting these thoughts together, Paul, who never met Jesus uh, until after he rose from the dead, 
So he didn't walk and he didn't hear the teachings of Jesus, but he knew the disciples and he heard, he heard this. He must have heard this from John. He's writing to a church decades later. And I want you to just read, because this is familiar, a passage that he writes to this church in Philippi about how to love people and how to love one another. Philippians 2, I'll put it on the screen, Philippians 2, 1 to 5. Therefore, if you have any encouragement, any encouragement with being united with Christ, if it's good to be a Jesus follower, if you have any comfort from his love, if he's done anything in your life, if you have any common sharing of the Holy Spirit, if you realize that God's living in you and in me and in us together, if you have any tenderness and compassion, make my joy complete, because Paul's a leader, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in mind and one in spirit. Be connected. Thinking back to this final scene, there are the disciples, like united around Jesus. Then he says, don't do anything. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not only looking to your interests, but each, each of us, to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. Have the Jesus brain. Put Jesus' thoughts in your head. And now live like Jesus. And then he goes on. I won't even read the rest. Who, who you know, in his own self didn't consider equality of God something to be grasped. But he humbled himself, taking the form of servant, and was obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Jesus is the one in the end who is exalted to the highest place. So now, there's, there's no, no name under heaven by which anyone is going to be saved other than King Jesus. The king picks up a towel. By the way, if we're the king's kids... We pick up a towel too. So if you want to live out the gospel, if you want to love God and love your neighbor as yourself, it's about service. Now our culture is going to say, do what's best for you. Look, you're not getting this in public, private, or any kind of school. This is the wisdom of Jesus. Now there may be some schools who live out the ethic of Jesus, cool. But this is countercultural to everything that our society is saying. It's about you, 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 you. And Jesus is saying, oh, no. The way to really experience life, what did Jesus say? If you want to lose your life, hold on to it. You want to gain life, do what? Give it away. You want to really be satisfied as a Jesus follower? Live to serve other people. doesn't mean that you don't have problems, challenges, and issues. But if you focus on someone else and what God can do through you to help them, here's what's going to happen. God's going to take care of your stuff. And you're going to sense his presence as you focus. What would happen if everyone in this church, this is totally idealistic, but let's play for a moment, was radically concerned for the issues in everyone else? Like if we actually found out where can, we, where can we get a towel and help? What if we all were outwardly looking? What would happen is needs would be met and we would feel the presence of God. Be united in mind. Have the Jesus brain. And, and so Jesus says to serve because people matter. And this, inc- hear me, this includes Judas who's going to betray Jesus. So it doesn't mean I just serve the people who are like me. It means as the master washes the feet of the person who's going to condemn him to death and never repent. I I can love people who don't even love Jesus or me. And that's the way of the kingdom. 
Now, how does this look like in our church community? Uh, uh, I think you saw it in Brent and Amy in people just living out the faith and looking for ways in schools, at, uh, through foster care, if that's like a thing that's, that's on your heart, um, through, through, through coaching or being involved in the community. It doesn't have to be a church activity. I think the best way for us to live this out, I have to be honest, is to stir each other in our 26 West communities. We have these smaller expressions of church. And if you're not a part of one, that's okay. I just think, though, if you want to be fueled to live out the towel, Sunday morning is not the best place. It's too, it's too big. But if you had five or six or 10 or 20 people that you're actually in relationship with and you were really knowing what's going on and when their week is hard and when their life is tough and when funds are low or whatever or when they're distressed, that you could be there to be the blessing. So if you don't connect, whether it's one of our 26 West communities or some other one, I don't care. I do, but I don't, you know. I want you connected here as a church, but I just want you connected because there's no way to live out the towel and love people if we don't know them. Uh, through partnerships, we're doing all sorts of stuff in our community and whether it's working with foster care or other organizations, we're, we're helping. And now when I get to the one I was hinting at before, we are one of the churches that's hosting this party called Good News Today on, on August the 12th. And so what I'm asking you to do is if, if you already know you're going to be here, don't just show up, okay? Because when you're, when you're hosting a party, think of it's your own house. Like, would you just like, hey, anyone come in and not do anything to prepare? I hope you would brush your teeth before they show up. I, would, I hope you, if you got rugs, I mean, like, vacuum, or if you got floors, like, I, I hope, I, like, if people come in your house, I hope, I hope, you know, I don't want to keep it real. No, you want to keep it clean. I, I would hope. I would hope. And so what I'm asking you is to treat this as our party, our house is Hillsborough Stadium, and that we would do everything to make it happen, okay? So what does that look like? Um, it means we need people. We've had a month of putting up hey, here are serve opportunities. Go to the good news world, goodnewstoday.world and register to serve. Some of you have, most of you have not. So what I'm saying is get on the website and serve. Why? Because this is our opportunity as a church to, to pick up the towel and carry the weight. Why? Because people matter. And yeah, well, well I want to enjoy it. You will enjoy it. You'll enjoy it, but I think the more enjoyable thing is watching other people encounter God because you had a part in it, okay? So, so please do that. This, this week, go to the website. We need people for the prayer team. Um, we're going to have hundreds of, hear me, hundreds of people who are going to respond in some way to follow Jesus. The worst thing that could happen is we say, come and meet someone right over here and 50 people come there and there are four people to talk with them. That would be a sin. So I'm asking you to just, you say, I'm scared to death. Great. So is every disciple of Jesus. Go to the website, goodnewstoday.world slash prayer team and just watch a short video and, and, and just watch a short video and then just say like, by faith, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to serve and I've never done this and I don't want to do it 
But again, love picks up a towel and says, man, for the good of someone else, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my part, okay? So that, that's just some of it. In the next two weeks, I'm just telling you, you're going to be bombarded with reminders from us. Bombarded with reminders from us. And don't hear this as a come down, top down. This is a, like the party's showing up, the guests are about to come, and, and we're looking to you, you, to lead the way with other churches, lead the way and humble ourselves and, and serve, okay? So when you get the email, when you get the text, when someone says, hey, I need you, the answer is an unequivocal yes, because that's the way of Jesus, all right? So we need the Holy Spirit to work in us. All right, who's he called you to serve today? Let's get practical, forget the event. The Holy Spirit may have reminded you of someone, some place, something, where you can step in and just be love through practical service. Who, who is the Spirit leading you to serve today? Let's not wait till the 12th. Let's, let's do something about it, all right? Why don't you rise to your feet and let's just respond and worship to Jesus. And, and let's just call on his name and say, Lord, we need you. So Holy Spirit of God, we've heard the word of God and now we need help, empowerment. Holy Spirit, we need empowerment, wisdom, discernment to know what to do with what you're teaching us. And so we just invite you as we worship you, Lord, we invite you to come and invade our space and, and call us to people, call us to places, call us to specific things that are going to honor you, Lord Jesus, and be good for those who may be far from you right now. We want, we want to be useful to you, God. So, so we invite you now to speak to us as we worship and sing in Jesus' name. Amen.